0: Welcome back to Journalistic Integrity. My name is Robert Murphy, and we have a great episode for you today, big UVA Hoops podcast with former UVA basketball player Rob Vizinalik. I talked to him for a solid 35, 40 minutes, capped off with a favorite frozen treats draft. For the last three minutes of the podcast. I hope everybody enjoys it. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. And without further ado, here it is. Okay. Now we welcome on a very special guest, probably the biggest guest that we've had on yet on this program. Um, Former UVA basketball player, And best in the business in covering college basketball. That is Rob Viznalek. Rob, welcome to the show.
1: Murph, great to be here, man. I'm excited to to chat about some UVA hoops today. Uh, You know, it's uh, been quite the run for for the Hoos over the last 12 years. Um, You know, kind of the other than the Ralph days is. Probably the pinnacle of uh, UVA basketball right now. So looking forward to it.
0: Absolutely. Certainly better than the uh, Dave Leto and Pete Gillen days. We got uh, Tony Bennett at the helm, which has been awesome the past 12 years, as you mentioned. So let's start with the most recent game, uh, Florida State. It was not pretty. Um, They beat us by 21 points, which is kind of unheard of for a UVA team to lose by this much, although it did happen earlier in the year with Gonzaga. Um, what, have you been seeing anything different with this Virginia team where they're, you know, getting blown out in games? Is it, is it defensive like miscommunication? I know we got some young guys playing and what, what, what would you say is the main reason if you had to name one thing for why we're losing by a lot to uh, these more athletic teams?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, Florida State's always a team that's been huge, long athletic, um, kind of remind me a little bit of some of the teams uh, we used to play down in Chapel Hill uh, when I was in school, just, you know, teams that just rebound the heck out of the ball, could defend all over the court, really extend you out to, you know, um, extend you out to half court defensively. Um, So I think, you know, we've, we've struggled with, with those teams in the past. And I think that, um, you know, you need to, especially when you, when you don't have a ton of primary ball handlers, um, you know, I think they're, at times offense just gets stagnant. Um, you know, right now you've got, you know, kind of our three best offensive players, um, at the three, four and five. Um, and when you're running kind of a, you know, constant motion offense with, with, with sides, you know, kind of the mover blocker as, as, uh, the commentators like to call it, um, you know, when you have, your primary offensive guys playing the bigs. Um, I think your, your offense at times can, can feel a little stagnant um, against those teams that are really kind of uh, up in your shorts and and really pressuring you. Um, but I, I mean, it's not, I wouldn't say I'm worried too much about the big loss. We've had big losses before. Um, you know, I think kind of one of the, one of the uh, kind of notable ones over the last six or eight years was that Tennessee loss uh, in 20. 14. um, yeah. My junior year, everyone kind of remembers that. I think we lost by like 35 uh, on the road at, at Tennessee and Joe Harris drove his truck over to, to coach Ben's house later that night. And from there we went on like a 13
0: to ATC run. So. The, the infamous meeting. I, I love when that that's referenced the dinner between Joe and, and TB. It also yeah. reminds me, I think this was your freshman year, uh, the Florida loss in the mm-hmm. tournament that I remember exactly where I was when I watched that because that was kind of like the first, I don't know when we made the tournament before that, but that kind of felt like the first, like, Hey, this team might be onto something. Let's see what we can do in the NCAA tournament. And then, like you said, a team that's more physical than us, bigger, more athletic. And that kind of exposed us. Let's go back to the, the FSU game. And on the defensive side, I mean, they have their point guard Scotty Barnes, who five-star recruit and, He's like six, eight point guard, and he's probably gonna go in the top 10, top 15 in the draft this year. And he was able to do just about anything against our defense, especially. We tried to keep KA off him and put Beekman on him, which was a better matchup for us. But we like you said, three, four, and five are are where our our best players are. Do you I mean, everyone talks about how in the tournament guards really important? You need a good set of guards, and I'm not saying our guards are bad, but if we're playing these a team with a really good one and two guard like a Gonzaga, are you worried that they can kind of bully ball us and get into the lane and then once once point guards get into the lane, that's you know, we can open some things up against UVA? Um,
1: you know, I, I think there's always a little bit of worry there, but um, you know, our <laughs> our bread and butter is going to be the pack line and the pack line is a, is a five man defensive. It's a unit. It's one unit, we right. We don't have five um, guys out there. It's so a exactly. So, I mean, I, I think, I, you know, you saw it, you know, even if you took a look at what Jose Alvarado did to um, did to Sam, you know, a couple of games ago, even when you put your, you know, a small point guard on a, on a bigger player, um, you know, he can hold his own or, or he can get a ton of help from, from guys around them. So, you know, I wouldn't say that defensively guarding those guys um, is too much of an issue. I think on the offensive side, that's where things can, um, can be a little bit more worrisome where you have, you know, Reese and Kihei, um, you know, kind of getting into the paint um, or, or trying to, but, you know, not really being able to, to create space for themselves um, because they've got a guy like Scotty Barnes who looks a legit like six eight, six nine out there on the Completely. court. I mean, he's, a, he's in his a, arms. I
0: don't know what his wingspan is, but I mean he's he's a huge he's a huge guard.
1: And yeah. when, you know, when you get guys that are, you know, Keyhead's size, Reese, I think is like six two, six three driving on him. Like it's it's gonna be difficult for them to create opportunities for themselves. Um, and you might just see them kind of dribbling it through in circles. Um, kind of that old old Steve Nash uh Uh, move where he just kind of dribbles past the basket um, and keeps it moving
0: I'm glad you brought that up because I've coined a term uh, I wanted to catch on kind of like Bill Simmons in the Ewing theory but I've coined a term for what Kihei does and it's called the Rondo syndrome where what like you you were just saying where they dribble and circle around and they're not really looking for their shot and sometimes they're passing up open shots or they think they're going to get blocked they're overestimating like how many how close guys are to them and and Uh, just passing up layups to kind of kick it out for what's not always an open three. It's just maybe the hockey assists where you pass it to a guy, but I think Kihei was doing that in the first half. And then you saw when he came out in the second half, I mean, the dude was getting to the rim against, you know, bigger guards and, and finishing. So that was something that I found interesting. And I hope that he can keep that up and be more um, more aggressive shooting the ball because we can't always rely on our forwards to score.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Kihei, um, a ton of it for him is confidence. I think he's got it. Um, you know, even a guy always at his, has at his size playing at that level is going to have a ton of confidence. He's, you know, he's won a national championship and was, you know, essentially kind of the, you know, the sixth, starter on that, on that team. So, um, you know, I think he's, he's a guy that for us we need to play well, um, because he keeps our offense moving. Um, you know, he, he, when he's able to to get into the lane, Um, and draw defenders off of Trey, off of Sam, off of Jay. Um, It really helps us out.
0: Yeah. Staying on the guard position, so Kihei, great ball handler. I get a little worried that we don't have a a second great ball handler on our team. I mean, in years past, we've always had you know, the the really good guards, whether it's Sean Singletary and J.R. Reynolds or the Kyle guy, Jerome. It always felt like we had more than one guy who you trust can bring it up. I think that's that weakness has shown itself in when they press. Um Beekman sometimes looks a little hesitant dribbling against pressure. Um obviously he's a freshman. Um do you think that's a problem or do you think is there do you think there's a, a second ball handler that's that's there that I'm not seeing or somebody that can get better or do you think we're fine with you know just Kihei being the the main guy?
1: Um you know, I think we'd love to have, but you know, more than one guy. Kihei certainly is, is someone who can handle any any amount of pressure. Um, you know, I agree. There's probably a little shakiness with Tomas, with Casey, with Reese. You know, I think Reese's um, handle will come and it'll, you know, get tighter and tighter. Um, you know, as you mentioned, we always had guys like, you know, London and Malcolm bringing the ball mm. to court where you really almost didn't even have to worry. Um, you know, after that, Devin and Devin and Kyle and tie together and then, uh, Kyle Ty, and, and Kihei together. So we've certainly had it in the past. Um, you know, I think, I think it'll come, um, a lot of it just comes down to matchups like who, who you're, who you're playing, what type of game situation you're in, you can get lucky with it. Uh, you could draw a team like, like VCU in the first round, uh, and really be hounded. Um, so it, some of it's just luck of the draw.
0: You mentioned Malcolm, and I wanted to bring this up, Malcolm Brogdon. Um, so you played with him two years? Uh, how? how... Uh,
1: the whole time I was there. Whole time, there, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: So did you ever did you ever see him becoming what he has in the NBA? Because he's become, you know, an extremely good player. Um, got a huge contract recently, and not only a good player, but he's become like a a strong voice for the NBA, off the court and social issues. And also, I think he's like the vice president of the uh, Players Association, maybe. Mm -hmm. He's got some sort of leadership role. Um, But let's talk on the court. Like, I mean, he's a five-year guy coming out of Virginia where you didn't really, his shot was, it went in, but it it was an unorthodox shot to me because it was more of a line drive. I guess Kobe was kind of like that too, but obviously a good defender, but you didn't know, does he have the quickness to guard, you know, a one and two at the NBA level? Are you shocked? Did you see this coming with Malcolm Brogdon exploding in the NBA and becoming, you know, a guy that can be the number two guy on a, on a championship team? I mean,
1: a little, I wouldn't say shocked. Um, I mean, it's certainly for anyone to have that amount of success in the NBA um, is uh is can be surprising because it's a really, really hard level to achieve, right? There's, you know, 450 guys in the NBA and he's, you know, sitting in the top, you know, 50 right now, um, if not higher. So, um, you know, I think it it's, he's always been an incredibly hard worker. His shot has developed, um, you know, to be able to extend it from, you know, 20 out to 23 feet. Like you mentioned, he's always had a flat shot. He's got massive hands that, you know, it always looked a little, a little funky coming, um, coming out of. But I think he's he's been able to extend his range, which has helped a lot. And he's a very savvy ball handler. Um, and he's very savvy on the defensive end as well. He's not the quickest guy in the world, but he's uh his instincts are great. Um, he's incredibly strong. Um, I mean, he he's able to, to play against, you know, you've seen it, um, you know, he played with Giannis for years, but now he's the guy that's guarding Giannis, um, you know, and kind of the primary defender, uh, on the wing for them. So, um, I wouldn't necessarily say shocked, but for anyone to achieve that level of success, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty unique. Um, Yeah.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I kind of view him as like a, a mini version of Kawhi Leonard, and that you know the shot and then he has been able to create for himself a little bit like you'll see at the end of games he'll be the guy with the ball and he's the guy that's got to make the play or take the shot um so let's stick on the NBA uh another guy that could be coming from uh Virginia to the NBA is Trey Murphy who's become one of my favorite players just because I mean so athletic and you hear about the uh the 40-50-90 club, which is 40% from three, 50 from the field, 90 from the uh, free throw line. He is almost 50-50-90. So he's 48% from three, 53% from the field, and a 90% free throw shooter. And he's a a 6'8", 6'9", fantastic athlete, really long. I mean, I, I I think he's got a legit shot to go in the first round of the NBA draft, whether it's this year or next year. I feel like he might stay another year just to kind of work on his body and get a little bit stronger. Um, He'll probably hear from NBA scouts and and whatnot about where he might go. But do you see him uh, making an NBA roster in in a couple of years?
1: Totally. I mean, everything you just named right there um, is exactly what, you know, scouts are looking for. I'd be interested to see kind of where he is this year um, coming out because I I don't think he will, but, you know, an NBA team is going to want to get you a year earlier um, than you're ready. Um, so they think, you know, a year with them in the G league or not playing just kind of development, developing on their bench is better than you playing another year in college. Um, and some people see it the other way where they want to, they want to see you go back and prove, you know, a couple different things. So it again, that just depends on where he might fall and what teams might see out of him. But I mean, yeah, great length great looking shot shoots the ball. Well, you know, the free throw line is a great indicator um, for, for how a, a guy's um, shot might, might extend out to the NBA three-point line. So he's, you know, he's shooting 90% there. I think he's missed like, you know, two or three free throws all year. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think he, he's got a legit shot. We'll see kind of where, if he comes back, he'll, he'll need to be kind of a more primary uh, score um, and, and ball handler, which could really help him. So um, yeah. Yeah. And I think
0: another thing that helps them is I talked about Brogdon, five year guy from UVA and then Joe Harris, who he was all four years, right? Mm-hmm. All yeah. four years. So there's a, a track record and I'm probably leaving out a couple guys, but there's a track record of guys going to UVA for four years. He'd only be there for two since he was at Rice the first two years. But anyway, graduating as a senior at UVA and producing at the NBA. And so I think that's a real thing that scouts look at the coach, the program they come from. Uh, so I think that definitely helps his chances uh, in the NBA. but let's uh, let's shift to another player, and that's another one of my favorite players. Uh, I, I like all these guys. I don't know why I'm saying everyone's my favorite player, but uh, Tomas Wodentonsei. so mm-hmm. big time player last year. We all remember that three he get, he hit against UNC to win it. Um, probably the highlight one of the highlights of that season. only playing fourteen minutes a game uh, this year, shooting forty four percent from three. He's been more of a, a spark off the bench kind of guy. Come in, make some threes. Uh, he has had some trouble on the defensive end and I'm guessing that's why he's not playing as much. Um, I remember, I think against Florida State, he came in and fouled a couple uh, jump shooters. Um, what, what do you think about his decreased role on this team? Um, do you like it? Yeah, is it, do you think it's deep? Like, what, what do you think the reason is? I'm guessing it's defense.
1: Yeah, I think it's defense related. Um, you know, he's, he's another guy that at times he feels disengaged on the defensive end. Um, he's, he's definitely not the quickest, um, quickest player we have um, out on the wing. So, you know, he's already kind of a step behind and, you know, for him to, to really succeed in the pack line, he's got to be super engaged. Um, so I, I think that would probably be, reason but I mean he's he's a type of he's the type of player that you know right now he's done a great job at staying ready um he's you know at times played 20 you know plus minutes coming off the bench and there's other times where he's played probably like six or eight um and not much in the second half but you know for for him I think there was um there was a game earlier this year in the ACC's um schedule that you know he came in and hit three or four threes. I think we went up, went up big and he was kind of a spark for us off the bench. So, um, you know, it, I think a lot of it is, will have to do with his confidence level. Hopefully, you know, we haven't, um, you know, it hasn't been, been struck down and he'll be able to just stay ready off the bench. And, you know, there could be a time in the ACC tournament or the NCAA tournament where he's, you know, a huge lift off the bench and get some more confidence. So, um, certainly just needs to stay ready.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He's, gotta stay ready because with this team i consider this team seven deep um mccoy will play about eight nine minutes a game but it's Marcel clark huff hauser Walden tensai murphy and um who's the last one? beekman so yeah i consider it it's seven deep so it's not you know we're not a, you know a nine deep team like you know a, a duke team of the past or something like that so we do he does have to be ready and I feel like there's one of those games where in the NCAA tournament where we might rely on a Walden Tensai to go for, like, 18 points, hit five threes or something like that. Um, But he's been a player, and I've seen, you know, across social media, a lot of people are like, where's Walden Tensai, especially when the offense gets stagnant because he's, you know, instant offense, kind of like, you know, a Nate Robinson type Mm -hmm. guy. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I get his defense, I I see your point. The quickness isn't where – other people, other players are. And um, so let's shift to a guy that, that's better on the defensive end than he is offensive end, and that's Casey Morsell. Um, Physical, two guard. Um, I like him when he drives. I like those baseline cuts. He's pretty good finishing at the rim because of how strong he is. Um, how, how do you feel about how he's improved? Because his freshman year was a disappointment, to uh, kind of say the least. His Some of his shooting percentages were – were pretty bad, um, but he's gotten better this year. Shot selection's gotten a little bit better, although he does have the propensity to do kind of a step back long too, um, which I think a, a lot of UVA fans get really frustrated when they see him pulling up for those. But what have you seen from him this year?
1: Yeah, I mean, Casey's – you nailed it with last year was a disappointment. I mean, it, it was really interesting to see because he has a great-looking shot. Um, you know, I think he was shooting – pretty well from inside, inside the arc, but yeah, just wasn't able to extend it. I think his confidence got, got crushed. Um, you know, he had one great game. I think it was like Arizona state last year. Um, and then mm-hmm. after that, it kind of was all downhill. Um, very physical defender, um, you know, comes from, you know, a great program in, in DC and in St. John's. Um, you know, I think a lot of it for him is confidence. I'd love to see him. When you think about his shot selection is, shoot it the first time i think he gets hesitant um and we'll we'll decide to put it on the floor um and then you know that puts him in a situation where he's having to pump fake or step back um and creating a more difficult shot for him i think we all have i think we have plenty of guys like that i mean if i think kia at times um can be like that i've noticed you know uh, coach bennett just telling guys to just shoot it um you know we we at times have looked like we're moving the ball um so well but no one's really willing to take that shot so i think casey's kind of a guy that that can really just step in and and let it fly um it's the only way you're gonna gonna build confidence um and trust uh is to is to be willing to to take the shot and just have you know just have faith and kind of the the work that you've put in to to knock it down so um when you start hesitating um it really gets in your head so I think yeah
0: I do like his physicality because I had that play at Florida State where he just kind of ran into a guy Mm -hmm. um he ended up getting knocked backwards but he doesn't seem afraid of these athletic teams and maybe that's because he is closer to their athleticism and uh strength but let's go to um Jay Huff who um backbone of this team I would say um so he's he's had an interesting year, uh, shooting 45% from three, but I want to read you uh, a couple stats of his from our losses this year. So against San Francisco, we lost that game by uh, one point at 61 four points on two shots, played 31 minutes. Against Florida State, played 31 minutes, took six shots, four points. And Gonzaga, he scored nine points. Um, he got in foul trouble, so he didn't play very long in that game. But the Florida State and San Francisco games scored a total of eight points um, and didn't take that many shots. I think we need to get him involved. I don't think this is all on him. I think I think we got to get him involved more early on in the game, and not just three pointers at the top of the key. Those are great. I mean, he's shooting 45% from three, but he also has that little hook shot down low on the on the side block that it seems to go in a lot and I think that's something we should explore more. I know he's not the biggest guy and can't, you know, back down a lot of these big players on FSU, but, you know, we're going to need him to play better in these games against bigger, more athletic teams. Um, So what do you think it's, uh, does he need to be more aggressive or does the offense need to focus more on him?
1: Yeah. Jay's Jay's a guy that relies uh, right now a lot on, other people um or the you know kind of the offense i think he's i don't think he's getting enough touches inside the arc i think he's been settling i mean you mentioned those three those three games um i think it's gonzaga was the only the only game where he took more than than three shots inside the three mm. um the rest of them were you know uh, for state and san francisco he took you know one shot inside the three-point line there's no reason why a seven footer wow. should take one yeah. shot inside the three-point line um some of that has to do with just our ability to get into the lane and create for him um but i do think he should be a guy that can can catch the ball on the block um and and get a shot off for himself so um i think a little bit of it has to do with our inability to to create for him in the lane um you know you look at um you look at uh you know like reese and kies um ability to get into the lane um in some of those games some of the size of those teams but um you know i think Jay, uh has has looked great um against smaller teams um but you know gonzaga um you know has has legit height um for state certainly always does um And, you know, he needs to, in those situations, not always just float out to the three, but be able to, you know, catch the ball at at eight, 10 feet and create a shot for himself. So.
0: Yeah. And I felt earlier in the season, we are doing more lobs to him too. the Kihei uh, to Huff lob. And we were like Lob City. It was like Chris Paul and and Blake Griffin. um, Except those guys are better. And I mean, Kihei Kihei and Huff, but um, you mentioned Beekman and, I got to make sure we mention him before we move on. Um, freshman, um, top 30, 40 guy coming out of high school, four-star recruit. He's one of the best, like, defenders, freshman defenders I've seen on UVA, but kind of in the ACC. I can't say the whole NCA because I, I don't watch it as closely as the ACC. But ACC in general, because you'll see these, you know, top guys on Duke or um, UNC who are really good, but they're not – good defender. They still can't stay in front of point guards and stuff, but Beekman, I mean, it's been incredible to see him stay in front of guys and he's long and quick. I mean, am I right in saying that he's been an awesome defender? He's been great. Uh, he's
1: got great instincts as well. Um, you know, I, I don't know what he's averaging on the steel side, but I think he's, he's a guy that just stays after you. Um, you know, Kihei is someone who can guard you, you um, guard you, you know, 94 feet and Reese is right there with him, but Reese has, has length as well, that he's able to, to bother you um, bother, you know, um, contest shots. Um, you know, every time you're kind of a little loose with the ball, he's able to, to, you know, make you uh, keep that in check. So, you know, he's been, he's been great. He's got a great, uh, he's got a great road ahead of him. I think he's got a lot of potential to be, to be a good guard for us, um, you know, defensively you know, he's, I think he's could, you know, be a guy that's, you know, uh, an all defense for, for a couple of years in the ACC. Um, You know, it's only going to be a matter of time before we're talking about him. You know, Malcolm was defensive player of the year in the, in the ACC. Uh, Darion was a national defensive player of the year. Akil was great the year before that. We've always had, um, you know, some guys that are are right up there um, with, with the best in the country. So I think Reese is, is certainly someone who, who could fill that role. Um, it's been surprising it hasn't been another guy. I thought that someone like a, a Justin McCoy might kind of fill that, that four spot that was just a really, really um, tough defender. Um, but, you know, yeah, I think Reese has is, is got the potential to do so.
0: Yeah, we've got a couple of young guys uh, that were good, you know, high school recruits coming out that, that haven't played. You mentioned McCoy, um, Abdur Rahim. Shedrick, the the big guy, who I think he's going to be good, but when he was on the court, uh, I think against FSU, he looked like one of those giraffes that had just been born, and they got those really tall, uh, skinny legs, and and uh, you're not sure if they can run properly. But I, I am a Shedrick guy. I, I just had to mention that. And then, um,
1: if you want to see a, a baby giraffe, just just picture Evan Nolte trying to ski, and, okay. and he's got a baby giraffe.
0: <laughs> okay, I, I can imagine that. That's funny. Um, and then also. Uh, McCorkle. I think he, he's pretty good in high school too, but, um, we're only like, go ahead. Caden is a guy that I thought, um, you know, was going
1: to start to play more. He was, he was getting time ahead of Francisco, um, who, you know, played all of last year. So I thought that was an interesting kind of jump, uh, for him to, to come in, um, and, and start playing ahead of, uh, Francisco. I think there was, um, I'm looking back, there was a game, um, I think it was William and Mary, yeah, where um, you know, he came in, was able to to hit a couple jumpers, have I think he had a couple dunks, and then he actually went to the free throw line and hit a few, and his shot looks great. I thought he played really well. And, you know, from there I haven't seen a whole lot out of him. Um, you know, not a whole lot of minutes either. It's been a little bit of a battle but between those two, and and ultimately I think Coach Bennett will settle on on one of them. Um, I I'm a little confused by uh, Jabri Abdurrahim. I don't know what's going on there. Um, you know, he he was the guy that was our top recruit, and I thought would would play um, would play a ton. Um, and he, you know, can't seem to to get off the bench at all. So yeah, um, it,
0: it is it is an interesting paradox because, like I said, we're not a very deep team. We're like seven and a half, eight, if you want to uh, count McCoy. But at the same time, we have like eleven or twelve playable guys. Mm-hmm. So it's not like we seven like. You know, and then everyone else is kind of awash. They can't really hold their own. I mean, we're deep in terms of guys that can play in the ACC. Um, So we can't finish up without just a couple more questions without talking about Sam Hauser. The transfer, um, 45% from three. I mean, he's it seems like he's gotten better, um, especially the past like six weeks where he's really turned it on. And it it brings me back to some Joe Harris. His stroke kind of looks pretty similar to Joe's uh, shot. And, you know, he's he's awesome. He can create – He's uh, shy. He can, you know, go in the post and then do like a little fade away kind of Dirk move. Um, just like Huff. I think, you know, we might need to be getting him the ball more too. Um, but what, I mean, what's your evaluation been uh, for Hauser this, these past, you know, two months where he's been awesome.
1: Yeah. I mean, Sam, Sam's got a great stroke and he doesn't need a lot of space uh, to get it off. Um, I think a really telling uh, game for him was Georgia tech. Um, I, I, Watching that game was really frustrated with how he was playing. Um, you know, I mentioned earlier that Alvarado was guarding him. Um, Alvarado wasn't coming off of him at all, um, was totally locked on to him, not moving. You know, Sam was not doing a great job of, of getting into the post. And, you know, that's one thing. But I thought that Sam needed to be a much better screener um because guys you know weren't going Alvarado was not going to help off of him at all and I thought that you know whether it was Trey Kihei Reese coming off of Sam's screens um we're going to be open um and we just weren't doing it um you know our Sam was you know in the four spot and um you know inside um you know that mover blocker and you know I thought that you know, if he was able, if guys were able to come off his screens hard and get into the lane, it was only going to create more opportunities for Sam. So um, I think so, hopefully some of that will come. Hopefully that was good, you know, learning uh, point for him uh, to be guarded that tough. Cause I think he's only going to get more of that as we head down to the stretch where teams are going to say, take Hauser out, make someone else beat us. Um, because, you know, as, as Sam goes, I think we go right now
0: right I agree with that. I mean he's when teams do take him out, it's you're kind of like all right, where's the offense going to come from? Uh, so let's let's fast forward to, to present day. So as we said at the top, UVA loses by 21 to Florida State. Um, what what is Tony Bennett? what does Tony Bennett say after a big blowout and uh, he's got a lot of time to talk to him because that game was um, Monday and so their next game is Saturday, so they have five days off. What, what do you think is the message Tony's telling the guys?
1: Yeah. I mean, one of our pillars is humility. Um, That's a game that, that really humbles you. Um, You know, I talked about this earlier. We've been in this situation before coming off of a big loss, Um, you know, we'll watch the film on it and it it really is kind of moving on to the next one because the more you, you know, think about what went wrong, the less you're preparing for, you know, what's to come. Um, And, you know, Duke might be, you know, without their, you know, best or second best player, but, um, you know, there's still a, a really talented team that you can't really, can't really sleep on. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it really is kind of about just, you know, learning from it, but being able to just flip that switch quickly to the next game and, and moving on because, um, you know, there's, there's going to be times where, you know, heck you could lose by a lot in an ACC tournament and have your first NCAA game, you know, three days later. So, Um, you know, and play a totally different team. You know, you go from, you go from Florida state, you could be playing, you know, Boston college next. Those Mm -hmm. teams aren't opposite ends of the spectrum. They play different styles. The more you, the more you think about what went wrong against Florida state, the less you're kind of preparing for, for a, you know, a different team to come.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It looks like Duke's going to be without Jalen Johnson and we'll, we'll save our uh, opt out versus did he quit discussion for another podcast because um, that, that always gets contentious uh, on social media. So um, let's go to the NCAA tournament. So yeah. I've been saying it um, kind of since the first few weeks. This feels like a, a Sweet 16 team to me, and it hurts to say. I'm still obviously going to be pulling for them. I hope I'm wrong. I think Sweet 16 is kind of where we're – it just feels right when two games and then we play a team with more talent, stronger, bigger um, – conceivably in the sweet 16 unless you know another team makes a run, but we're looking at a three, four seed. So we'll be playing um what is that a a, a five seed? Or, or is it the one two?
1: Yeah. It'd be yeah, I mean if you're a four you're playing you're playing the one one, right? Okay.
0: Region. So yeah. So I mean if we do get a four seed, I mean hopefully we're not in like a Gonzaga or a Baylor and we're uh in the other two brackets, but um what two part question what how do you see us doing in the NCAA tournament and if we are to lose, what's going to be the thing that causes us to lose?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think your prediction is fair uh, in the Sweet 16, but I think it's uh, – NCAA tournament is – it's so hard to predict what's going to yeah. happen. I mean, that's why we all love it so much. Um, you know, I wouldn't have – I wouldn't have thought that my, you know, my senior year after we went 18-0 and 0 or whatever, finished the year with three losses and then got matched up against – Michigan State again in the second round and and would lose to them after, you know, Travis Trice and Brent Forbes go off for, you know, like 45 points together. So yep. it's just a lot of it just is so much luck in terms of who you end up seeing um, across from you. You know, you mentioned the four seed, you could play, you could play, you know, Gonzaga or Baylor, but heck, one of those teams could have an awful night and go down in the, in the second round before they exactly. even get to yep. you. So, um, and, and then you're looking at you know, a bit of a, a of a cakewalk to the to the final four. So, um, you know, it's NCAA tournament is is so incredibly unique um, in that way. Um, but I think you know, as we've seen in our losses this year, um, what's gonna what's gonna kill us is just when we you know aren't aren't moving the ball offensively and aren't aren't getting good shots. And then you know, def- def- defensively, just teams like a, a Gonzaga um, or a Florida State. Um, you know, we have not played Baylor, but like even a team like that, that's just able to heat up so quickly. Um, and we're not really able to, to, uh, you know, make them work for shots. So if the you had longer to pick... that we get into the, like single digits on the shot clock, the better, um, cause mm-hmm. then teams start to get, get, get frustrated and they're not taking the shot that they
0: want. I know it depends a lot on matchups, but if you had to pick one, uh, one unit that fails us failed us, would it be offense or defense? Gosh. um,
1: I think I'll always want to say defense. Um, You know, we we didn't score, um, you know, we didn't score much against, um, against Florida State, but I, you know, I think we had that, I think we had that run to open the, open the second half that, that showed that, you know, we kind of had that um, ability to to score quickly in bunches um and I don't think we scored much against San Francisco either but that Gonzaga game was really telling I mean to to be kind of you know hit in the mouth that hard um I think they end up scoring you know 90 some points yeah. and they almost I put mean,
0: up a, a 100 double burger on us that's never happened right so <laughs> um so.
1: you know I think uh I think our kind of ability to, to stay strong defensively is what's going to make it hard for for teams in the tournament
0: yeah yeah I, I agree yeah defense I mean it's it's UVA it's going to come down to our defense I do agree though. the offense does get stagnant at times which is really annoying because you're like move around somebody move around but mm-hmm. um I'm sure it's it's more complicated than just that yeah. uh, so that wraps up our our talk for UVA hoops and we're going to do a quick uh quick favorite sweet treats um draft um, so we'll just do this for, you know, two, three minutes because um, that, that UVA stuff was great. Yeah. Um, so I'll go ahead and start with mine. And actually, let's go guess first. You can you can uh, take us out. What's your number one pick?
1: If we're talking ice cream, you know, uh, yeah. no, novelties, um, I'm going to take it back to kind of the, the pool bar, the exactly. the, uh, the Little League baseball field and go with the uh, the All-American Chip Witch.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. That that's one off the board for me. Uh, I had a I had a feeling, and, and I had that, and I had a note on mine. It's got to have the chocolate chips like on the side. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. We're on the same page.
1: page. It's got to come in a plastic wrapper. No, nothing <laughs> nothing fancy or homemade.
0: Yeah, and just slightly melted chocolate. a little bit too. It's always the best. So, um, for mine, my number one pick, I'm gonna go the frozen Twix bar. So like the ice cream Twix, and like longer than a normal Twix. It's got the ice cream in the middle uh, the caramel. I mean, it's, it's got the crunch and the, uh, and the ice cream in it and obviously the chocolate. So it's, that's one of my favorites. So
1: it's close to mine, but I'm, I, my next one's a frozen Snickers, not the ice oh, cream, Snickers, okay. not the I'll ice cream, sc- not okay. the ice cream Snickers, just a regular frozen Snickers. Okay. So okay. that's one that, you know, you, you know, I was, I was just out skiing. That's one that you can put in your, in your pocket while you're skiing, get a little cold. Uh, and it's, it's perfect on the mountain. It's, uh, it's perfect on a summer day as well.
0: Okay. So just a regular Snickers that has been frozen.
1: That has been frozen. Oh,
0: okay. Okay. That's an important distinction. Um, so I'm going to go, let's see, I'm going to go, this is just kind of a bread and butter, the chocolate eclair. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's been around forever it just gets the job done, and I like the little crunch at the on the edges; those little crispy things, and then the chocolate in the middle. It's it's nostalgic, and it's just it's got everything I want. It's got chocolate, it's got the ice cream, and then the crunch. Um, and I've had that; that was my favorite as a kid. So I'm getting back to my roots uh, with that pick. Love it. What's Love your it. next one?
1: My next one uh, is going to be. Uh, the king cone, uh, another another one uh, straight off the the ice cream truck at the little league field. Uh, but uh, you know, your kind of classic uh, packaged ice cream cone uh, got some nuts and chocolate in there, um, <laughs> and then and then the bottom of the cone's got a little chocolate as well. Just, did, uh, yeah, saving the best for last.
0: Okay, okay, that's solid. Um, my next one is the brownie blizzard from Dairy Queen you can hold it upside down, nothing's coming out. And it's got the brownie bites, which are just fantastic. Uh, It's one of those things where, you know, you got the blizzard and you're kind of looking through it and you get that sense of like reward when you've come across a a brownie bite. It's like, I've done the work, I've come through the ice cream and I get a brownie bite and it's just a good feeling all around. And you feel like you worked for it, uh, even though you're just kind of scraping through a thing of ice cream but uh that's my third one so you round us off with your fourth selection
1: my fourth and final is a local is a local favorite uh the old the old boyers now gelati Celeste was gelati Celeste before boyers as well everyone doesn't know that Boyers, okay. bought, boyers bought their ice cream important distinction Gel- Boyers bought their ice cream from gelati celeste okay gelati <laughs> celeste bought bought the location so. Uh, there's an ice cream there called just ask it's white chocolate ice cream with Oreos and peanut butter. Uh, it's, it's an all time favorite. Uh, okay. In the, in the household.
0: I'll, I'll have to uh, check that out. So Oreos and peanut butter,
1: white chocolate ice cream,
0: white chocolate ice cream. Okay. Interesting. All right. So my last one, I had to adjust because uh, the chip, which was taken, I'm just going with the classic Klondike bar. I, I, like the, I like the way the chocolate is, the, that it's kind of crunchy in the way that it, it breaks off. Uh, it just, whenever you bite into it, I feel like I get a good ratio of chocolate to ice cream. It's never like, I'll bite in the chocolate, will like back up and I just get a mouthful of vanilla ice cream because nobody wants that. So I, I just love the Klondike. I love the commercials. I love, the, I love everything about Great it. Great commercials.
1: It's- the one <laughs> thing about the Klondike Bar that you have to worry about is if too much of the chocolate breaks off. That's you gotta fair. Yeah. You got to be very precise, uh, with the bite that you take so that, you know, if you, if you knock off all the chocolate, you're kind of ruining it. for yourself. Yeah.
0: You got to go out and plan out your bites and kind of, kind of like a geometry yeah, aspect. Take, very... take the proper angles from the corner and make sure you, uh, don't get a bad bite. Yeah, um, exactly. cool. Yeah. So we'll, we'll put this one on the, uh, on the gram. I, I lost to, uh, John, John and I did a draft on favorite Super Bowl snacks. So John took that one, uh, 53% to uh I
1: 47%. I, right. I think I was on the 47% side. Okay,
0: well, thank you. I mean, yeah. he, he goes birthday cake, and you just kind of left scratching your head. And
1: it's t- his birthday near the Super Bowl. I don't
0: know. <laughs> no, it was just a reason to have a cake and it was a it was a football cake. So it was like a a brown football uh chocolate cake. So I guess that makes up for for some of it, but it, it yeah. doesn't feel good to lose at home because it's on my on my story. So I got the the home field advantage you would think. Um, So I'm looking to move to one and one We'll, we'll see uh, what the people say. And uh, that wraps it up for the podcast. Rob, thank you so much for for coming on, man. I appreciate it. This is a lot of good UVA talk. I think uh, UVA basketball fans are going to be eating this up. So um, maybe we'll have you back on going in the NCAA tournament or something like that.
1: Sounds good. Murph. Appreciate it. Let's, uh, let's get me on with L Tice or someone and we'll, we'll chop it up. on Okay. UVA hoops
0: that one will get testy. Getting L Tice in here talking to some UVA hoops. Yeah. Good. All right. Thanks Rob. I appreciate it, man. Sounds good, man. Take care. Okay. Thanks to Rob for coming on. We're going to try and get him back on right before the NCAA tournament. So be on the lookout for that episode and moving forward. I'm going to be doing things a little bit differently. I'm going to be doing more real short, three, five-minute podcasts, quick hitters on a take or a certain subject, uh, in addition to the Bachelor episodes on Tuesday nights as well. And as we go into a little bit of a lull in the sports world, I'm going to do some movie podcasts. So I'm going to bring on a guest, talk about a movie that we just watched for 20, 25 minutes, Uh, so I think that'll be a lot of fun, um, let you guys know in advance and you can watch the movie and, uh, listen on to our takes on the movie and I think that's it. So once again, thank you everyone for listening. I really appreciate it. Um, spread the word if you like it and I will talk to you guys on Tuesday night for the bachelor final four episode.